Hi, Deb. Hi. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the polyvagal theory in therapy, and that's something that a lot of people do, but you actually do it in a much more systematic way mm-hmm. and uh, make it a central part of what you do. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Yes, yeah, so I do. I, I make polyvagal theory the foundation for my work with clients. Um, so every client that I work with um, understands their nervous system and understands their autonomic map. And um, we then speak the language of polyvagal theory in our sessions because what it does is it brings into explicit awareness Um, what is happening in the background all the time. Um, And I know that many therapists and many models um, use the nervous system, use the the concepts of polyvagal theory, but not in an explicit way in the way that that I've um, created. So those three organizing principles that are always at work, neuroception, hierarchy, regulation, once we bring them into awareness and map them and contract them, then we can use them. So we can engage the nervous system as a partner um, in, in the work we're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so it's not just a question of um, at some point showing a chart or so talking about the nervous system, but you're talking about finding an experiential uh, understanding uh, that takes time to build. Uh, and showing different aspects of uh, this polyvagal theory in terms of how it applies to clients understanding their nervous system and having a personal experiential acquaintances with it. Exactly, exactly. So that they begin, clients begin to look at the world through the lens of their nervous system, um, which starts with therapists understanding their nervous system. So mm-hmm. polyvagal theory to me is... is um, uh, something you learn from the inside out rather than from the top down. So you do have to understand the concepts, but you embody them and you learn what it means for your nervous system to take in cues of safety and danger and to move from ventral to sympathetic to dorsal and back again. And you learn in an embodied nervous system to nervous system way what it's like to be in co-regulation with another person. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, go ahead. So when you're talking about embodied, also that's where we talk about neuroception, that this is not um, an intellectual understanding of how the system works, but experiencing how people experience this. Right, because neuroception is working in the background all the time, and we feel the outcome of neuroception. So when neuroception takes in cues of danger, it then does something in our nervous system and we feel the, the um, outcome of that. Um, and then my work is to help people bring perception to neuroception so that we can then begin to track it and, and be curious about it. Um, you know, cues of safety are the same. We, we want to bring in more cues of safety. In order to do that, we have to find out what does your neuroception experience as a cue of safety, which may be very different from what my neuroception experiences as a cue of safety. So we're always bringing curiosity to this subcortical process that's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So and curiosity is based on um, learning to navigate the territory 
Uh, and so that mixture of uh, um, paying attention to neuroception, but also being able to map it in terms of perception, in terms of language, and you have developed actually a series of tools uh, in order to do that in a, in a systematic way. Right. So, you know, when I first tried to, to think how could we bring polyvagal into everyday um, clinical practice, um, I came up with a map because we humans do like maps. They help us orient and help us know where we are and figure out where we want to go. So I created a ladder map and the ladder maps your three states of the nervous system. And once we've done that, we do that, you know, very early in, in, in work, in clinical work, you know, second or third session, we begin mapping. We begin understanding the nervous system. And so when you understand what's it like for you to be in ventral vagal, what what happens in your body what are some of your thoughts what are your behaviors <coughs> excuse me what are your beliefs and then the same in sympathetic and in dorsal then the question becomes the clinical question becomes where are you on your map right now mm-hmm. because if you're in ventral then we have or even have a, a a toehold in ventral is really all all we need then we have an, we have some curiosity on board we have enough safety and connection and regulation that we can work with the traumatic experiences or we can work with the distress and the suffering because we can be with it, not be hijacked by it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when we leave ventral, when our system gets so challenged that our vagal break cannot hold us in ventral any longer and we enter the realm of sympathetic mobilization, of fight and flight, then we no longer have access to curiosity and to seeing options. We're stuck in a story. Yeah. And that story comes out of the properties of a sympathetic nervous system mobilization. But again, here, um, what is um, uh, that, what it is that you're doing is it's not just a therapist's responsibility to say, okay, so work is going to happen if the client is in the ventral. But uh, from the very beginning of the therapy, the client is enlisted in having that curiosity about seeing how they fit uh, in the map and in separating the story from the state. Exactly. That's, that's beautiful. I'm glad you brought that up because the, the story is, is made, the brain makes the story in order to make some sense of what, what state the body is in. And so, you know, when, when I'm working with clients, our first question is, you know, what state are you and where are you on the map? Because your story is going to come out of that state. Mm-hmm. And yes, I, I want my clients to be, um, you know, active participants in this problem. This is in this process. It's not me, you know, trying to decide where they are. It's really engaging them in their own um, mapping and tracking process. And they become students of their own system. And this work is not just done in the therapy session. It it is outside the therapy session that they get to kind of follow, where's my nervous system taking me right now? And um, what, what is going to happen? And then as we move along, we create resources to shape the system because that's the beauty of of the nervous system and the beauty of polyvagal theory is knowing that experience shapes the nervous system. And when our clients are sitting in front of us, they bring a nervous system that's been shaped by many years of experience. And the hopefulness of polyvagal is they can be reshaped by ongoing experience. So right. 
Yeah. So that's, so, you know, and, and, and reshaped by autonomic exercises, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that the therapy, the, the uh, talking about the um, states is not just a means to an end for the therapy, but is actually a reshaping of the way clients understand themselves and experience life. Yes. You know, because we all move um, down and up the hierarchy all the time. And the goal is not to be in ventral vagal regulation all the time. That That's not the goal. The goal is to have flexibility in moving down through sympathetic dorsal and back through sympathetic to, to ventral. Because a rigid nervous system, a, a nervous system that responds with rigid patterns, is one that brings suffering and, and, and illness, whether it's yeah. physical yeah. illness. So it's really about, you know, befriending all of your states and learning how to be flexible in, in coming back to ventral. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not rigid, but that sense of flexibility. But yeah, you're talking about the ladder and I want to invite you to talk a little bit more about it because visually many people, um, the model is the sense of window of tolerance um, and so uh, visually they might uh, follow that as the mindfulness being in the middle. I want maybe talk a little bit more about your yes and I and I too was trained window of tolerance I'm a sensory motor psychotherapist trained and so window of tolerance and then when um, I discovered Steve's work and polyvagal it just made sense to me that because it's a hierarchy we're going to put it on a ladder to really respect the way that the system was built so at the bottom of the ladder is the first um, nervous system state that came into being dorsal vagal and even you know you think about it i have a little mannequin that that's crumpled up at the bottom of the ladder still on the ladder because we're never off the ladder our nervous system is always holding us in some state so he's got one hand on the ladder but he's looking way up at the top to see oh i need to get up there so there's that sense of despair and hopelessness and disconnection at the bottom. And then in the middle of the ladder, I have a, a little guy who's in that fight flight place and, you know, we're moving up. We're, we've come out of immobilization to the next system, which mobilizes. So I have a survival response that allows me to mobilize here. But my view is very narrow because in the middle of the ladder, I can only see this far. Mm-hmm. And then if we go to the top of the ladder, I have a, a guy who's standing at the top of the ladder, you know, joyfully, arms raised and and the you know the image is you can see everything and you have options and and there's possibility um and you can see forever you know at the top of the ladder and that's that's the state you know as we're in ventral at the top of the ladder our sympathetic and dorsal systems are regulated and they're doing their non-reactive roles to help keep us alive and all all is well you know and then you get this sense of i have clients who talk about you know, it, it, was it a day when they were nimble on their ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Or was it a day when they felt like they were falling off or stuck? So it, it's an interesting way to, to think about navigating. So, you, you know, you move down the rungs and up the rungs. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's also the evolutionary ladder. It is the evolutionary the, ladder. The stages of it evolution. Is. Which is really what I wanted to honor with Steve's, you know, Steve's hierarchical um, theory, you know. So, and I think for clients, it's really helped because they understand that when they're in immobilization in dorsal, they don't just come back to ventral. They have to have a mobilizing moment. So they move through that place in the ladder back to ventral, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So it's, it's, 
it's hard to make the switch. And I have lots of clinicians who have come to my trainings who are window of tolerance trained. And, you know, by the end of our training, they make the switch and then they go, oh, now that makes sense. You know, and it's a great image for clients. So, you know, there's actually three maps in the sequence to so they can track their states their triggers, what I call glimmers, which are those moments when you're in ventral that, that are just micro moments, but are so important to recognize. And then resources, you know, to move out of dorsal or sympathetic and to stay in ventral. So if you come to... Let, let's talk a little bit more about this, because that, uh, what makes this, uh, you know, systematic and practical is that you don't just identify the stages in the ladder, but there is a sense of also paying attention to internal states and paying attention to what triggers a certain state uh, or, uh, you know, the glimmers in the case of ventral vagal, but also how you stay there uh, in the good things and how you get out of it for the bad things. So that's a whole system of how to navigate the, the states. Right. And in, um, you know, in the tri- the triggers and glimmers map, the second one, to, we get really concrete about what specifically triggers you into sympathetic or dorsal and what specifically is a glimmer that we can replicate to help you, you know, have that moment of ventral. And those triggers and glimmers become targets for therapy, right? And then in the third map, the regulating resources map, we really pay attention to both self-regulating resources and co-regulating resources and i think we forget that often in therapy we you know our world is about you know becoming independent and self-regulating and yet the nervous system depends on co-regulation and for many of our clients those co-regulating opportunities have been missing and so we really want to bring those into the therapy process and identify that yes you need both co-regulating and self-regulating resources um, so yes, there, there's a sequence that happens and then people um, begin to really understand and get out of the story and get out of shame and blame because they know, oh, it's my nervous system enacting a survival response because neuroception has um, felt a cue of danger and neuroception works both noticing what's happening inside my body <clears throat> and what's happening in the environment. right at the moment it's noticing that i have a a cough from a cold so it's a bit of a cue of danger and a little anxiety around this this process that we're in right now right yeah Yeah. a little bit of of nervous system um mobilization and then i can look at you and i can name that out loud and as i name it my system begins to quiet a bit because i've explicitly said here's what's going on Yeah, Um, yeah 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 And so, so that's a, that's a, a, a case of um, uh, you know the neuroception that, that uh, can be married to the story, or it can be actually we can have the perspective to notice that it doesn't have to be that story, and then uh, go a different way with it. Exactly. Yeah, because it, it's checking inside and it's in the environment, and it's checking between my nervous system and yours. Mm-hmm. Those are the three places. Neuroception works inside, outside, and between. And it's always looking in those three places for cues of safety and danger. Yeah, yeah. And again, uh, where many therapists would describe that work, their work this way, um, what you're uh, showing is actually making this a systematic part of the work. Yeah. Um, 
that um, the the client is enlisted. Yes. In yes. in this. Right. We're in a partnership. You know, which I know therapeutic relationships, we talk about partnership, but this is a true, we are doing this together and we are going to map your system and I'm going to know where my system is and we're going to use that information um, as we move through every moment of this therapy. And the guiding question, there are two. One guiding question is for the therapist, where is my nervous system at the moment and what does it need? And then where's my client's nervous system at the moment and what does it need? And we have to be able to answer those questions. I want my client to be able to, you know, very easily answer that question. Where are you on your autonomic map Mm -hmm. and what is needed in this moment for your nervous system to feel safe and connected? Right. And then you can see how this is greatly um, great to apply with, with um, couples and in families because you have a different language you're speaking, you know, rather than saying, um, you always do this. You you always walk away. You never listen to me. You know, I can look at you and say, wow, I think that's a nervous system that's feeling some sympathetic mobilization and a need to um, leave right now, right? Which is a very different experience, very different story, right? It's not that you want, don't want to be here. It's that your biology is saying, I can't safely be here right now. Right. And so then I can either just say, okay, you'll come back when you're ready. Or I can say anything I can do. Right. But it's a very different experience. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because um, 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 the story is related to the person as if the person were omnipotent. And this is about uh, relating the person to the circumstances they're in and to the natural processes that we have evolved to deal with threat. Exactly. And, you know, my, my system, even though I had a, a sympathetic mobilization just a bit ago, my system is, is more tuned towards a dorsal vagal disconnect out of my history. That's sort of my autonomic profile. Yours might be sympathetic or dorsal. I don't know. But we, we have these sort of tendencies we lean towards. And, you know, if my partner can understand that I'm more apt to go to dorsal than sympathetic, then, you know, it, again, it's, it adds information. Mm-hmm. That is helpful for our relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Story—it's the autonomic story rather than the cognitive story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you introduce that to people? Introduce the theory to people. Yeah, when when clients come, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just generally, clients are eager to tell their story and live the thing through their story. Um, And so, you know, how do you make the shift from on the one hand being sympathetic, empathetic, but also uh, creating a different focus? So interesting because you're, you're right. Clients love to, they come in and they have a story that that is they're suffering with and they want to tell it. And if I have a client who comes in and wants to tell their story, then I'm going to get out a map. And as they're telling the story, I'm going to say, okay, so I'm just going to see if I can put your story on this map of your nervous system as we go along. So talk to me a little bit. And then they'll tell me a piece. And I go, oh, that sounds like the part of your nervous system that has a lot of mobilizing energy. And for me, that sounds like there's a, a fight response going on. Is that right? And they may say yes, or they may say no, it's more flight. And they'll say, okay, so we're going to put that part of the story here in the middle of the ladder. And so as they're talking, 
we begin to put the story on the ladder. And when they get to the end of the story, we say, so here's the story, just so we can look at it in a different way. And as we look at it through this ladder map, we're going to feel it in your body. And we're going to hear the story, not through the words that you just told me, but through your body systems. And most clients are very fascinated by that because it makes sense to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes sense. It's like, oh, th- yes, that's what was happening. And because you were in the sympathetic flight, you know, your your brain was not online. And here's what was happening in your body. And tell me a little bit what your thoughts were. And then we begin to get the, the thoughts that go along with that state. So it's sort of a, a reverse engineering way of creating the the map um, for other clients who come in, they'll, you know, we'll say, what do you, what do you want to work on? And they'll tell me and, and they won't have a story that they're ready to tell mm-hmm. yet, which is the other thing. Many of our trauma clients aren't ready to tell a story yet. And so I say, so let's get to know your nervous system and create a language and safety for you and me to um, be together and talk about so that when you're ready to tell your story, we'll be able to track it through this map. So either way works. Yeah. 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 Good. And so, um, so you have maybe uh, something, some vignette or something that you might use uh, to show how this uh, takes place. Sure. Let me think about a, about a good one. That's, that's a powerful one. Um, So um, it, it's interesting to see um, in a in a parent and child. We'll take mm-hmm. that that example because it's always interesting to work with parents and kids in, in the session, right? And you know, a child who was um, just uh, really having their own version of a sympathetic storm, right? And we had done the mapping with both parent and child. And so, you know, as the child was dysregulating into this sympathetic survival response, um, I was helping mom stay in her ventral vagal, which was very hard for her because she was looking at her child and all of her own story was, was coming up. And, and she was, you know, her first response was to go to a sympathetic um, fight place of her own and, and, a, and a critical and a don't do that and that sort of blaming, shaming behavior. So, so let me just uh, slow it down a little bit. So I want to just uh, maybe invite you to, to, uh, to capture the feeling of in the room. So there's you, there's the parent, there's the child, and obviously the child is going through sympathetic, so there's some activation there. There's some activation for the mother. You're somewhere in the middle, probably also somewhat activated. And... And dealing with the, you know, the two activations. So how, what's it, what's it like? So, and, and I like what you just said, because it's a reminder as a therapist, and I think as a couples therapist or a family therapist, you have, because you have more than one nervous system you're connecting with, mm-hmm. it becomes more complicated, right? You've got, to, you've got to regulate lots of nervous systems. And so in this particular instance, as in all of them, I have to be, firmly anchored in my ventral vagal in order to provide that energy for both mom and, and child. Right. Mm -hmm. My job is to firmly anchor in ventral so that I can then extend that to mom and help her come back to her ventral, which one of the ways, one of the easy ways um, that I always teach all of my clients is around breath work because breathing is the most direct route to changing the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Um, So sighing, 
is a simple way to bring a bit of regulation back, you know, and most people when they're having a difficult time, sighing is not hard to do, right? <laughs> so, you know, I looked at mom and I said, come on, sigh with me, right? And so we did, oh, right? you know, which hers was a sigh of frustration. And I said, so one more sigh. And then it became more of a sigh of, of, oh, okay, sighing into it. And then I said, where are you on your map now? And she said, I'm, I'm coming back to ventral, right? See, there's the, the, the beauty of the map because she can tell me exactly what's happening. And I said, okay, so I'm going to just, I moved over close to her. I said, I'm just going to sit right here next to you so that you can feel my ventral connecting with yours. And now let's turn our attention to your child. And what do you see now? And she could look over there and she said, wow, he's really suffering. He's in a survival response right now, isn't he? And I said, yes, he is. Mm-hmm. And what? nervous system need and from there she was able to go sit next to him and she was able to offer what they had already played around with that would be helpful when he's in this um, Mm -hmm. sympathetic storm so and it happens pretty quickly once you get whether it's the mom of a of a child or whether uh whether it's one person in a couple when you get one person back to ventral the whole room changes. You can feel it in the room because then that system is looking at the other through mm-hmm. the passion and curiosity rather than through a blaming story. Right. So all of a sudden her child was no longer, you know, being, um, being bad and doing it on purpose and making her life hard. Her child was suffering and dysregulated and needed some co-regulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so that breaks the loop. If we think about uh, dynamics as a form of loop, uh, just one person getting into ventral breaks that loop. Yes. Yeah. I, I always tell the clinicians who come to my trainings that there, there has to be at least one ventral vagal system in the room. And as the therapist, it had better be yours, right? <laughs> because then we can help our clients or, you know, one partner or a parent find their own ventral. That that's, that's the place where magic happens when we're in ventral. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that might be a good place to end, but I just want to check if you have something else you would want to add. That, that felt like a nice place to, to end the, the magic of ventral. And I, and I guess I would, you know, just encourage everybody who's listening to to experiment with their own system that it really is up to us as clinicians but also as as parents and partners and and as colleagues and friends you know really to take on the responsibility to be regulated and to be able to regulate with others Mm -hmm. yeah thanks deb it's been lovely thank you This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.